Hello, welcome to a Paul Carenza podcast. I am the Paul Carenza part of a Paul Carenza podcast, embedded within this giant thing, which is uh, a podcast, I suppose. Uh, as you may know, this is one of a couple of podcasts I'm doing right now. One is the British Broadcasting Century podcast, which, if I'm honest, has taken up a, a huge amount of time, far more than I originally planned on. Latest episode of that has Justin Webb from Radio Falls Today program, uh, talking not just about his joy of radio and his uh, his new book, The Gift of a Radio, but also his broadcast. Justin Grandfather. I think Justin Webb is the only person really uh, today uh, whose family was broadcasting 100 years ago and now. That's quite a claim to fame, isn't it? So anyway, we've got Justin Webb. If you, you'll know his voice from uh, BBC News and uh, Radio Falls Today programme. He is on the latest episode of the British Broadcasting Century. And I've even uh, brought forward as well his grandfather's voice, which he's never actually heard before. And Justin didn't even know that his grandfather was a broadcaster. So that was kind of exciting. <laughs> There's a servant girl waiting for one of these big lotteries. My grandfather, Leonard Crocom, was the first editor of the Radio Times. Your grandfather was broadcasting on London 2LO with a monthly show. I didn't know that. She made a great point of getting ticket number 51. Huh. Seven sevenths of 51, so I bought the ticket. No, you've told me something I didn't know about. The British Broadcasting Century. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts or podfollow.com slash bbcentury. This is London Point. Reuniting those two voices. But hey, enough of that podcast. What about this podcast? Reuniting uh, two voices as well. Myself and James Carey, good friend of mine, comedy writer, uh, the guy behind uh, Miranda. Well, I say behind. Miranda's behind Miranda, but he's worked on it. My family, his own show, Hut 33, that is all him. Bluestone 4-2, Citizen Khan, he's written for all of those shows and far more as well. But particularly of interest for me is his angle on faith and funny. Uh, and uh, and he gets into that a huge amount b- between about the church and the media and comedy. Is there an overlap between those areas? A brief history of Christian art, luck, fate, commissioning. Is the Bible funny? Yes, we decide. Uh, do tune in for how. I say tune in, just keep listening to this, because here, ladies and gentlemen, author of The Sacred Art of Joking and the Gospel According to a Sitcom Writer, is... James Carey. Delighted to welcome to the podcast, to a Paul Carenza podcast, someone who's actually been on the podcast already, more than I think anyone, because he was here for Heptagon Club, and he was here for Comedians with Books, and now he's back as himself, James Carey. Hello, do I win Hello. a set of steak knives for being on that often? Absolutely or? you do. This is Go. like, uh, yeah, this is the, one of those people that, that, who returns again and again on the game show to try and win. It's like Richard Herring on Pointless. That's uh, how you are here trying to... Okay, brilliant. I don't yeah. watch Pointless, but oh, I'm if, if if I have to be Richard Herring, I guess that's okay. Or uh, in my Kenny Everett on um, Blankety Blank, he was always oh, yes. the guy you hoped would be on that week. That's true. Uh, but in, in that many other respects, I'm not an awful lot like Kenny Everett, but <laughs> yeah. Let's we'll move on from that. Well, yeah, you've got the beard. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, take that. there we I'll go. I'll, I'll settle for that. You settle for that. Um, and uh, and like Kenny Everett, you have dovetailed in and out of broadcast. This is really tenuous. Uh, dovetailed in and out of broadcasting uh, a, a, over the years, and writing and comedy and sitcom and sitcom geekery as well is your background. And you have a new book out as well. Tell us where your mindset currently is between being sitcom writer, book writer, and just thinking about all of these things in a serious, deep way. And faith stuff as well. All of that goes in the mix, doesn't it? Thank you. Yes, it kind of does, really, because I think previously, for the first 15 years of my career, I was sitcom comedy writer who is also a Christian. And I was never that interested in doing anything within the Christian space. Um 
and sort of fusing the two. And as you will know, Paul, and some of our listeners uh, may know, the church haven't done a terribly good job of patronizing in a good way the arts. Um, and so especially our kind of Christianity tends to be a bit suspicious of arts and and wise guys like us. Um, and we are we are the denomination broadly speaking, that took down the art, whitewashed the walls and said, behave yourself, cut that out, stop doing that. Um, if you think you're doing that any longer, you can think again. So, um, so you know, sort of a thousand years of Christian art basically came to a stop in the 17th century. And, and, and we haven't really got going again. Uh, so, uh, so I was just bimbling along with a secular um, career in sitcom writing. And I did Think the Unthinkable for Radio 4, which is a sitcom uh, that I did and did okay. And then I did some TV, My Hero and My Family, and then bounced back to radio uh, and did a show called Hut 33. And then I worked on Miranda's radio show, worked on a TV show, and then did Bluestone 4-2 about Afghanistan. Oh, do you remember Afghanistan? Um, and um, uh, and so did that, did three series of, of that for BBC Three, which ended up on sort of two and one at various points. We would have been on after Top Gear and possibly had really good ratings had it not been for the sort of Top Gear debacle when it was sort of pulled. Oh, really? And so the episode of Top Gear that we were going to be after was replaced with Simon Reeve travelogue. And if you're a fan of Jeremy Clarkson, you're probably not a fan of Simon Reeve. Mm. Uh, You know, that said, I like both (laughs) uh, for different reasons. Very different reasons. And so it could have been that our BBC Two show could have gone from sort of mild obscurity to mainstream acceptance. But anyway, whatever Jeremy Clarkson was wanting in that pub, he wasn't being given. There was some unpleasantness and we are part of the fallout. Just like then we were part of the fallout when the actual war in Afghanistan theoretically finished. Um, so nobody thinks about the sitcom writers when a war comes to an end. It, it goes to show. It's like kind of luck, luck of the uh, draw, the lap of the gods, etc. Yeah. You can write this great script, you can have it commissioned, you can have it made, and it sings or it falls based on something completely different, a world yeah. away potentially. And that kind of overlaps with what I'm telling a lot of uh, wannabe sitcom writers, which is you only really have control over the stuff that you write. And uh, so just do do what you can on the page ideally typing words but you could do other things on the page if you want um and you kind of have to leave it at that and actually my christian faith has sort of come back into it a little bit because in a way if i weren't a christian i i don't think i could have kept going i think the industry is kind of too hard because it, it is so random um and being good isn't enough and you don't even have to be that good you can be lucky and then you can get good once you've been lucky and so that kind of proceeded along. And then I started a sitcom geeks podcast, which was teaching people how to write, you know, and thinking about how sitcoms are written. But I think probably the, there was a moment in 2016 where I just thought it is about to be the 500th anniversary of Martin Luther and the 95 theses. And as we all thought at the time, as we all thought. Yeah. And I thought I want to do something to commemorate that. So I wrote a stage show, which toured churches that did that did okay we did some stuff at the fringe i had just done a play as well called the god particle Mm. and so i was increasingly fusing my sitcom life with my church life so i did um amongst tale and then uh that toured i I had three actors in it touring 
And then I did another show uh, which basically got COVIDed slightly called The Turbulent Priest about, about Thomas Beckett being murdered in 1170, 850th anniversary uh, last year. So we were ahead of the game on that and then mm. COVID struck and being ahead of the game on that didn't, didn't count for anything. And again, it's the, the lap of the gods or God, as I call him. Yes. Um, <laughs> and um, or the lap of the Trinity, if you uh, want indeed, to go. Yes. Is the, um, does the Trinity have a lap? I suppose. I don't know. At least Depends. one lap. Yeah. One, there is one lap yeah. among the Trinity. And so now I'm kind of in this space where I wrote a book called The Sacred Art of Joking, which was kind of fusing my it was bothering me that people were getting the wrong end of the stick on comedy and offensiveness and jokes. So I wrote a book about that from a Christian perspective, because Christians are as much part of the problem as the mainstream cancel culture. And then in promoting that book, I kind of ended up doing quite a lot of Christian uh, monologues that are kind of funny bits that aren't in the Bible, but feel like they could be. And so I kind of turned that into a book. That's the gospel according to a sitcom writer, uh, which uh, came out in um june something like that yes yeah, uh, pandemic june, june wasn't it i think pandemic june yeah. 2021 yeah. so you know the virtual launch all that kind of stuff yeah um which is a bit sad and i i'm hoping to do some touring next year where i can actually flog copies of that book and because i actually do like doing gigs and um it turns out that i can be funny in front of audiences whereas previously i spent the first 15 years of my career mostly writing jokes uh for other people so at the moment i'm kind of doing both things really and i've, I've just started i've been told we've got another series of milton jones's radio show Hurrah! coming why, back why, so that's why fun. wouldn't you have yeah yeah well you know again <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. that implies logic <laughs> yeah, yeah. um so yeah so that's kind of where i am really um and i'm kind of happily and i spend a lot of time doing church of england stuff i'm on the general synod i'm re-standing if you're uh, an elector in the diocese of bath and wells please give me your first preference excellent and uh, and also somehow a member of the Archbishop's Council, which means I end up in meetings with uh, two archbishops. Cool, um, and I'm, it's almost like being a trustee of not quite the Church of England, but it's like an awful lot of the engine room. So that's pretty weird, really. And I kind of enjoy the randomness of the, of the whole thing. And I just frequently have those slightly out of body experiences where you just think, how did I get here? Yeah, <laughs> this wasn't the plan. Yeah. yeah. Well, no. Yes, exactly. And yeah. yeah. So, so that's kind of where I am and where I've got to. Ask well, me about any of the above or none of it. Well, that's the thing. There are about, there are a thousand things there to dig into, and I have no idea where to start, or where to finish, really. Well, it'd um, just be great if you're not married to it. Well, that's, uh, fair enough. Yeah, my wife is married to something near it, which is me. But, but I mean, both both you and I have obviously various things in common. But that's uh, comedy and faith uh, overlap. Um, it's it's a small Venn diagram, or it's two big circles with a very small overlap. I suppose the thing is. Yeah, it's true. Uh, actually, two big circles with a small overlap. I think it's a very good way of putting it. It's um, uh, and I suppose the the question of I mean the question I'm always asking, you know, can you be funny about faith? Should faith ever mix with comedy, etc.? To which, of course, I always reply, yes, of course. If not, I'm got a career. But um, <laughs> uh, but it's not. It's a question that never quite seems to be answered because we can we we still be talking about it, and you're still writing books about it and um so in a nutshell uh if i can ask you exactly the same questioning faith comedy does it mix should it mix how does it mix um, I, yeah i can't see how it's funny etc i'd flip it on its head and just say i simply don't know how they can't mix because if if you meet somebody and they have no sense of humor you are unsettled by them and it is like they are less than human it's not that they're superhuman it's like there's something missing it's not like most of us 
have a sense of humour and we've got this, you know, the comedy patch that's been added. It's actually, if, if somebody doesn't have a sense of humour and they have a sense of humour failure, mm-hmm. which implies that they ha- that you're meant to have a sense of humour, um, then I, so in a way, I just think it, comedy is so at the core of our being. And also because we have consciousness in a way that animals uh, do not, uh, so we can imagine alternatives to what we see. Uh, so we can imagine as Christians the return of Jesus Christ, of the new heavens and the new earth and all that kind of stuff. And, and we know in our hearts that that is where we are headed. And so we have kind of two horizons. You know, we have the, the actual horizon, the one that we can see, and then the one that we know is over the horizon or is past the peaks of mountains and all that kind of stuff. Again, C.S. Lewis about it, I think. Um and if you can do that, then you can understand comedy. That's what you need. You've got two abstract concepts kind of fusing in your head at the same time. Two things that don't belong, kind of gaffer taped comically together to say this, this and this go together. And they kind of quite often they do. Sometimes they don't. But putting them together is, is often jarring or delightful or satirical. I, I understand why we get the question and I get asked it all the time, as, as do you. But there's another sense for me, which is like, I can't understand why that's even a question. Mm. And it may be because people aren't expecting to laugh in church. And I, th- and I that's understandable um, because a worship service is a worship of God. And that the primary characteristic of that is not comedy. But equally, the Bible a- a- appears not funny. And one of the things I particularly do in my latest book is, is say it is funny. Um, and and today, the day of recording uh, is St. Bartholomew's Day, which, as you know, Paul, in John, he is uh, Nathaniel. Oh, yes, um, he is, isn't he? Yes. And I would argue uh, that he cracks the first joke in John's gospel, which is he's from Nazareth. Can anything good come from Nazareth? Um, I mean, that's just like a, he's that's sassy, isn't it? I yeah. mean, that's like and, and, the, and I unpack this in one of the early chapters of my book where Nathaniel says, well, because uh, I imagine Philip, who he's with, pushing back and just going, mate, what's what's your problem with with people from Nazareth? No, it's not not cool, Nate, not cool. <laughs> and and Nate and, and Nathaniel's saying, yeah, but how could the Messiah come from Nazareth? You know what happened historically in Nazareth hundreds, thousands of years ago? I'll tell you what happened. Nothing. <laughs> Nothing happened in Nazareth. How could the, how could the Messiah possibly be from Nazareth? That's the one place he can't be from. He'd probably have to be from somewhere like Bethlehem, somewhere like that, you know, would be like, and that's what later on in John, you've got, um, you've got the Pharisees and teachers of the Lord just saying, oh, so, you know, for a Messiah like this, they'd have to be born in Bethlehem or somewhere like that. Mm-hmm. And we're just thinking, <laughs> we know that he's yes. born in Bethlehem. Because I think John, the, the author of that gospel, is assuming that you've, you've heard the other gospels, sort of everything we do in church, especially in the evangelical bit, which is the bit that I tend to hang out in, and is we take a tiny little bit of the Bible and read only that bit and not the other bits and then explain it, mm. um, which is about as funny as having a joke explained. It's like, it's not, it's, it's, it's not a pleasant experience. Um, yeah. Do, do we take the Bible too seriously then? Do we take church too seriously? Uh, I think we take, we take too seriously, is that it? Uh, yeah, I think we do take things too seriously because we. I think we get serious when we assume it's all up to us. Um, so if we think, well, anyway, and that's what happens. I mean, I wrote this, read about this in the Sacred Art of Joking. Um, the name of the rose 
is a brilliant novel uh, by Umberto Eco. It's also a movie with Sean Connery. It's a mm. sort of medieval whodunit. Yeah. But in that book, at the heart of the book, hashtag spoilers, is a priest who is a monk who runs the library and he wants to hide Aristotle's comedy because he doesn't believe that people should laugh because in his words, Christ did not laugh. In one sense, he's right that the gospels never say Jesus laughed. It says Jesus wept, but it doesn't say Jesus laughed. And he thinks that the moment you let the light in and you start laughing at God, that's the end of everything. And what of course that presupposes is that it's up to some monk to protect God from people from laughing at him, which is in itself laughable, ironically. Mm. Mm. Um, but I think Christians think it's all up to us. It's all up to me. It's all up to the church. It's all up to my, my thing, my, my, my favorite thing, my, my church, my team, my denomination, my vicar, uh, my ministry. At that point, it all becomes serious. And it's like, mate, it's not about you. And it was never about you. You get to join in. And God, in spite of our best efforts, somehow builds his kingdom. And we, we get to join in, just like you get your kids to help wash up. Um, you know, you get your kids to help bake. You know, it's just like there's just flour everywhere. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I mean, there comes a point yeah. my 13-year-old now bakes really, really well. But in those early years, the, the help um, was limited. Yeah. I think that's how we help God. We basically get in the way. I think this is why I, I like going around to different churches and partly that's um, the fact that I've, I've been able to with booked by different churches and going around the country and, you know, life on the road as a nomadic comedian. But I like I've always liked different church traditions and to not outstay my welcome in, in one place, I think, because I've always been a bit nervous of, of, of churches that seem to have have all the answers or claim to. And and yeah, but I, I think take it quite so seriously, but actually questions more than answers is quite nice and having those having some uncertainties about god and the bible and our relationship with god should we be laughing should we not those ancient proverbs of you know man plans and god laughs and things like that should we be laughing as well as god do we go ah do we join in with the laughter you know god's laughing at our plans can we go ah yes i, I see oh, the yeah. joke now you know yeah. is that okay you know and there are times when you really feel like you know the joke is on you you know i've just done the keswick convention i was interviewing people and asked them the same questions which i do on this sacred art of joking youtube uh, mm. videos that i do which you've very kindly done and one of them is one of the questions i asked in uh, at keswick was when did you last feel that god was having a joke with you and for my you know the one the example that really sprung to mind for me is when christianity today magazine in america a big august publication in america asked me to review someone else's book on on comedy and theology and religion and god a book by a guy called steve wilkins and I just thought, you know, it's like, hey, you've got a book out about comedy. Can you review this guy's book on comedy? Yeah. So you're not, you're not going to get him to review my book then. No, no? exactly. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I just thought, I just thought, oh yeah, I've really been put in my place there, and that that was actually quite funny. You see that in um in like the arts, the culture section of, of newspapers. I have one here, um, where it's a new history book being reviewed by rather than the regular, rather than employing regular journalists, they seem to get in other people who've got similar books out to review a book for them. 
But of course, they're going to be largely going, well, I wouldn't have done it that way because I didn't do it that way because I wrote my book. Yeah. Um, so you do see that quite a lot, I think. You know, it's this odd thing. Odd yeah. Thing. So I, try, you know, I tried not to mention my book in the review. Of course. Actually, to be fair to this guy, I'd love to talk to him uh, at mm. some point. The, the thing I learned from his book, I thought was really helpful. And it pertains to, I think, what we're talking about now is how he shows how God has a sense of humor and we can see that coming through and he makes various arguments for it. And he says, what that helps me realize is as a Christian, I love God. I know, I know I should love God and I do love God, even though I don't always feel like I love God. But when I see God being funny, when I see his hand at work comically, I don't just love God. I like him. Right. Isn't that a good way of putting Mm. it? Because there are people that you, that you're in awe of, but, you don't actually like them. Liking just doesn't seem like the appropriate thing, but just sort of enjoying that relationship. And actually, as you were saying a minute ago about questions and doubts and stuff, I'm not a big one for doubt, as in I don't have big, dark, long, dark nights, the soul of doubt. I have a lot of big questions, mm. in, you know, lots of like really puzzling theological conundrums that don't that don't make me doubt my faith, mm. but I just think I, I don't really understand how that works or this works. And, you know, those Nephilim, are they sons of God? Are they actually giants or are they sons of Seth? And mm. what are the implications of, of each of those moves and all that kind of stuff? Um, but the thing that's really striking when you particularly go through Genesis, but also in the Gospels, we do some we, we do some really bad things in Genesis. And God's response is to ask us questions. So after we after we sin, and disobey God and eat from the knowledge, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. God comes looking for us and just says, where are you? What have you done? What's going on? Why did you do that? You know, and, and then later on with uh, Cain and Abel. Cain, where's your brother? What's, you know, why did you do that? He keeps and, asking us questions. And Jesus, think God would know, wouldn't he? Yeah, he, 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 doesn't, he doesn't need to know because he knows, but he wants us to have a conversation about it. And, and and if you look into the look read the gospels the sheer number of questions that jesus mm. asks this is literally the guy with all the answers and he asks us questions well why does he do that because he wants to have a conversation mm. he wants to have a relationship and i think we maybe think that that that's a sign of weakness somehow that we need to have all the answers but mm. how could we have all the answers because that would imply there are no questions and the questions uh, are more fun, you know. Yeah. The people who just have answers, you know, it's it's it becomes a a dead end monologue very quickly. But asking the questions, that's that's where the interesting stuff is. Yeah. I think that's right. That is a rabbinic way of doing it. I mean, that's kind of. Mm. I've been listening to some various podcasts about going through the Old Testament and just a, a lot of rabbinic writing is like, how how can we reconcile this and that within Scripture? How about this and why does this happen and why is Jake why is Abraham asked to sacrifice his own son? Um, and how, you know, what was he thinking as he was going up the mountain? Mm. Um, and and so rather than just say, oh, I can explain, I can explain that. Explaining it isn't the same as sort of talking about it. And I think it's talking about it, which is helpful and actually builds our faith rather than shutting down our questions, which is not mm. not the same. I um, go back to where you, when you were saying uh, you've been asked to review someone else's similar book i was asked recently to review a stand-up comedian who is sort of doing edinburgh festival but digitally but he's do- he's done the book of ecclesiastes as a stand-up routine uh, in fact i only realized as i was watching it that, that yes he was going to do the entire book this wasn't an adaptation as such it was the entire book of ecclesiastes 
but after every couple of verses there's a kind of a little joke based on what he's just said or just some sort of interpretation of it but it does mean that yeah i mean it 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 sort of didn't it didn't work at the same time but um a, a failure but a noble failure as they uh, would yeah, say in the alternative I, I, uh, comedy club place yeah i like i'd like what he was trying to do with it um and i admire certainly the uh the goal to just yeah do the entire book and the, it's a video and it's him standing there with a microphone going so there's nothing new under the sun what's that all about you know and uh, <laughs> it was that quite a lot but uh, this guy called anthony nowak his, his show's called the preacher and it's worth a look it's um it's not a laugh riot but it's you know this is but ecclesiastes isn't really is it it's, it's centuries old millennia old and uh, but i uh, know i just thought it's an interesting way of looking at actually ancient wisdom in a in a in a modern way and uh that's a great show, idea i mean that's yeah. sort of a that's kind of performance art as much mm. as comedy isn't it but as, as you said at the start as well that the church has this tricky relationship with the arts in and the, the two instances that stand out for me in the last few years well i went to a creative arts workshop as part of a church a weekend away kind of thing and i thought brilliant creative arts you know it's one of those you have streams you can go and do that bible study thing there you can do it do some sort of physical i don't know uh, meditation thing there and creative arts yes i'm creative i'm artsy let's go there and it was it was flags it was an hour of flag a flag worship which is not what I had got along for. I kind of... That's okay. quite a narrow interpretation, isn't Here it? We go. It is. It wasn't... I was kind of hoping for maybe a, either a choice or a chance to talk about the creative arts in some... It's something that if, you, if you're not a flag person, that there's other stuff you can do. And I thought it was interesting that, yeah, creative arts equals flags. That's it. There's nothing else. If you want to be creative in the church, you've got to wave a flag. Uh, so that was one of them. And the other one was uh, a church I uh, went to briefly years ago when Jerry Springer, the opera was having its moment and there was a debate uh, advertised in the church on the Jerry Springer the opera you know how far is too far and all these sorts of questions and I thought brilliant I'm I'm interested in this I'm trying to write stuff myself as a Christian as a comedian I'm fascinated by this area and I went along and literally there was no discussion it was just photocopies of complaint letters to then fill in and they'll send them to the BBC they'll even pay your postage so it was wow they had decided so there was literally no discussion no there nothing. was no discussion it was almost like right just fit, go over there and if you can help fold you can help lick the envelope and, uh, and and we'll do that there and i thought this this was actually advertised as a debate and we were there was a brief talk where we were told what to think by the uh, the preacher but yeah i just thought this doesn't kind of feel like the questioning as we're talking about the questioning um yeah a chance to engage with the arts that it could be because yeah the arts is a, it's a, all a gray area it's not a black and white thing and so surely there's some something to be gained from talking about these things and questioning these things rather than instantly going ah that thing there looks wrong and therefore and maybe it is wrong i don't know but let's at least talk about it yeah you use the word gray area there you see and the, the calvinist in me is just like we don't do gray areas mm. so i'm still kind of not deprogramming myself exactly but having to just think more widely and actually you mentioned jerry springer the opera there's quite there's a there's two or three chapters about it in my previous book the sacred art of joking where i kind of so the first part of the book is um how jokes work broadly the second is you know why the church second part is why the church have a hard time getting a handle on comedy and then the third is kind of application of parts one and two case in point jerry springer the opera what what was the big fuss about how do we feel about it now 10 years later or 15 years later or whatever it was and I, like you, was rather, it was rather assumed at my church that we would email the BBC and complain that it was being broadcast on the BBC. 
And I didn't do that. I just thought, I'm not sure about that. I don't think I should email and complain, uh, but I don't quite know why. Um, and at some point I'll probably give that some more thought, <laughs> which, you know, 10 years later, I guess I did. So, but there are lots of questions like, you know, it doesn't, it fails to answer questions like, what is public service broadcasting? When you buy your license fee, you are buying a range of views that you either agree or disagree with. You're, you're buying an awful lot of buying some sport. You're buying some uh, strictly. You're buying some soap operas. You're buying some news. You're buying some documentaries. You're buying an awful lot of biases in in particular directions. You're buying some other viewpoints and all that kind of stuff. So it's like, well, it's not immediately obvious to me that this is not worthy of being broadcast from a from a BBC point of view. Um, if we lived in a much more Christian society, as it were, then then things would look a bit different and maybe that would be a different discussion. But given where we are, what the BBC is, what the government is, what churches are, I don't know. I just think insisting the BBC don't broadcast it seems unreasonable. And yet, if somebody feels that they really should complain to the BBC, um, then they should. And it's good that they can. Um, and I tell people, if you don't like what the BBC does, you should write to them and say, I didn't like that programme and tell them why. But also make sure that you send them a letter and say, hey, I really like that programme and tell them why. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise they don't they don't know, really. They've got numbers, but they don't, you know, they, they, they don't really know what the numbers mean. So a few letters actually goes quite a long way. I mean, I suppose it's emails now, but I don't know. That's, yeah. a, that's a whole other podcast about the BBC, well, isn't it? Well, on, on which then, those uh, listeners to this April Crenza podcast who are intrigued to know further uh, information on James's thoughts on BBC can jump over to a Brit the British Broadcasting Century podcast and search for his name because there will be a discussion there as well. By around autumn 2022. With James. So let me wrap up on this podcast before leaping over to the next podcast. I feel like um, Paul Merton. Do you remember on the old days when he was... <laughs> on um have i have i got news for you and he mm. also had a show very late on channel four and he had a he had a t-shirt which just said turn over at 11 which mm. is basically advertising his show on That's the other right. he did didn't he on the yes. other network and i i always remember as well was it lenny henry on comic relief night who invaded the bbc2 studio um <laughs> and when i watched it at the time i was a teenager and i thought wow i can't believe they're doing this and of course in hindsight it was all planned. You know, the way Clive James was chairing this discussion and sort of did a very forced double take, like, what? You're Lenny Henry. What are you doing here? It was clearly a little a little forced. But, you you um, wanted it to be true. And it was you a just magical about... moment at the time. Yeah, 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 no, definitely. You were about to wrap up and I jumped in. and I, That's I'm quite all right, yes. Um, so um, without wanting to sound like a job interview, where do you see yourself in five years? And, um, you know, because you have, you wear many hats, but they all seem to be related and... Um, or, or do you, probably as I actually, not really, I have a bit of a plan, but I don't fully know five years from now if I'll be doing more books than TV stuff or more radio stuff than any of that, or, or who knows what. You sort of, I go go where the leads are, but at the same time having a bit of a plan. Is it? Um... Yeah, I, I'm similar in the sense of, I think, you know, I think a lot of Christians get anxious um, about what am I, what do I do now? What do I do next? And actually, the Bible's advice is often way more pragmatic than you think, which is, you know, do the good works that God has prepared in advance for you to do. It's going to involve washing up. There's quite a lot of washing up involved. Yeah. Um, that's PJ O'Rourke's great line. Everyone wants to save the world, but no one wants to help mom do the washing up. And I think just doing the things that are put in front of you, there's a lot to be said for that. And you've got to have a fairly strong conviction to stop doing all of those things to do something else. And if you get that conviction, then, then you get it. It feels to me like the next four years, we home educate our kids. 
and they're they're sort of 11 and 13 I teach them a bit it just feels like the next four or five years I want to stay at home do that make more podcasts write more scripts and to sort of keep doing what I'm doing and see what happens and if I get to write I write an episode I wrote an episode of Shakespeare and Hathaway uh, last year which is being filmed so hopefully I you know I might get to do more murder mysteries or something But then when, so when I'm 50 or just slightly over, I might be up for something else and I have no idea what that could be. It seems unlikely I'd want to go into ministry or be a vicar or anything like that. But there are other things that I could do. So I'm kind of open to that, really. But I just feel like the next four years, it kind of kind of look similar-ish. But then again, somebody might phone me up and say, hey, could you come and help with this sitcom? Mm. And that just completely takes over my life for the next 12 years. And that yeah. would probably be fine, too. Yeah, and that's, the, I mean, it's the lucky thing. I just say lucky, fortunate. No, it's not fortune. It's whatever it is. Uh, fortunate um, and lucky are basically the, the same. The, the way the plans have gone. But the, that actually, you can have these plans and go, I'd quite like to do that or maybe that. But all it takes is someone to get in touch and say, right, I've got this idea that you and I write this West End musical. And before you know it, you know, you're that's what you're doing for the next uh, you know, yeah. bunch of time. I mean, but, even better, uh, they say, here is the money. It's, well, that's always nice. It opens in three months and there is a lot of work to be done. Yeah. Um, and that that's kind of a bit of a no-brainer at that point, isn't it? Mm. So, though, so I'm open to the no-brainer. Here are some scripts to be rewritten, edited, mm. and we also need episodes four, five, and six. Can you yeah. can you take care of those? I will send for you, Paul. Don't worry. Yeah, it'll be fine. Exactly. I can do the additional material for your additional material, or whatever <laughs> it might be. But, um, but this is it. And it's funny to say, actually, the the, the ministry question. I, I I ask myself that every now and then, every few years. And it came up again recently. I don't know quite how, I suppose just because pandemic, you know, we're all pivoting or whatever it might be, or uh, at least reconsidering our, our lot. Yeah. And um, and I have this question now, do I go back and do chase more stand-up gigs? Do I want to travel up to Newcastle and back for the price of the, of the petrol? Probably a bit less than I used to. And I asked myself again about, hmm, the priesthood, ministry. I could, that could be a thing. And then I thought, no, I don't think it is for me. I think it's good that I've asked myself that question. Yeah. But I think probably I'm best served pretty much doing what I'm doing and indeed, you know, and yourself, you know, I think there's a it's a unique place in the industry and in, in several industries, really. And uh, it's good to be a voice in that. So, uh, yeah, a voice for both in the other, which basically yeah. means you feel like an outsider in both. But that's OK. Exactly. exactly. Well, there's there's you and me. We're there in that little bit of the Venn diagram. With our and tears of clowns. Maybe three other people there quietly, awkwardly standing, holding a glass of mineral water at the uh, going. Oh, well, no one else here is there. Oh, well. Thank you, James. Find out more of the above at jamescarey.co.uk. I'm sure there will be links in the show notes, won't there be, Paul? Absolutely, there will be. I'll do all that in the outro anyway. Yeah, but I might as well hear it in your voice. jamescarey.co.uk. Yes, Carey spelled C-A-R-Y. Think Carey Grant rather yes. than Archbishop George Carey. Um, you know, I, know, I know which I'd rather be mistaken for, thanks. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a, it's a, that's a topical reference. Yeah. We need, you need more Careys, don't we? There's more, there's, there's, yeah, the thing is, you mentioned Cary Grant. People are, nowadays probably often is likely to think of the red-headed singing coach. Oh, no, that's a shame, isn't it? Mm. Yes. I'm thinking of someone tried to kill me last night. That's, you that know, sounds I'm just thinking, like her. Arch, <laughs> Archie Leach. Uh, from Bristol, I believe. Is that right? Definitely. Yeah. And that's why that great line in Some Like It Hot, where one of them is going, you know, where he dresses up to, in order to get hold, you know, they're dressed as women. Mm. And Marilyn Monroe, he tries to, he tries to pull Marilyn Monroe, but he can't be, but he has to dress as a man, even though, because he is a man. Mm. In, and so he dresses as this sort of like ex-naval sea captain of some sort. 
And he start, and he talks like this as well. You know, he's got this very strange voice. And Jack Lemmon's just like, what the hell kind of accent is that? Who talks like that? <laughs> <laughs> she answers, yeah, Gary right. Grant talks yeah, like that. Course, there you are, don't you? Yeah, 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 but there yeah, we go. Very good. Thank you, James. Pleasure. So that was James Carey. Hope you enjoyed our chat. He will also be on the British Broadcasting Century podcast, as indeed he alluded to there in a couple of months' time. So probably around about summer or autumn of this year of 2022, uh, which is, I'm sure we're all aware, a crazy year. So um, I wish you well in it, however it finds you. And to help us with that, our guest next episode in about a month's time from now, Patrick Reagan. What a wonderful author and speaker Patrick is. Uh, He's written a marvellous book called Bouncing Forwards. About the fact we don't want to just bounce back, we want to bounce forwards and grow together. Patrick Reagan, next time. James Carey, thank you for this time. And thank you for listening. (laughs) Bye-bye.